Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 19 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. The listeners want to know, how many changes have you made this week? <laughs> well, last week was the discipline was there. This week, it's gone completely out the window, my friend. I, um, yeah, I've made a lot of changes, probably over four at the moment so um yeah the old r2 positions got me thinking we'll discuss the r2 position later in the podcast uh, i've made no changes still at this stage I holding did, holding strong i did have adam trelaw in my team he will be a move that is made out of my team once pre-season games are done with this weekend I think this season could be very competitive chasing overall title, Jep. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that comment. Coaches need to be at the top of their game right now. What are your thoughts there? Oh, absolutely. Like, it's... Um, I think structure wins. I think we've got the challenges with our rooks. We've got um, stuff we've harped on in the past about uh, Primo, sorry, maintaining their averages and, and value and that's absolutely king this season um there's a lot of different ways we could set up i think and which helps which is really good for the competition um i think there's variety in structures so there's not going to be the standard villain vanilla teams that i'm that typically previous years we've probably seen um but yeah we've got to absolutely nail it whatever which way we go a few key areas in which sharp coaches can take advantage of is keeping updated with news and notes, acknowledging positional changes and not just ignoring them. Jet, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's it's how a player fits into a side, isn't it? Um, is what I'm looking at in, in the Marsh series. I'm just seeing what their role is and, and looking still looking at their list. I, I've got my best 22 tabs in, on my wonderful spreadsheet. And um, just making sure everything, all the stars align and, and things make sense. Only two teams in the top 10 overall last year started with Travis Boak. That shows me that fantasy coaches don't trust what they see or hear, which is a massive area to take advantage of, Jet. Oh, it's hitting the uniques, isn't it? Those PODs. Um, you know, there's... We could probably name a few primo mids off the cuff now that that could be the bulk of last season. Um, it's a bit of guts, no guts, no glory, but it's educated guesses at the same time. On to Marsh Series Week 2. Game notes and key fantasy players. We'll break these down per player. Points scored, time on ground percentage, points per minute, and a value out to 80% game time. Let's start with the West Coast and Essendon. Wet conditions hampered this game, Jeb. The Bombers' ball movement was pretty decent. Your thoughts? Yeah, and their running was... They ran really, really hard through the middle of the ground, um, which was what I noticed. Clean ball use in the back line. Jordan Ridley probably teasing us again. He teased me last year. I started with him last year. Um, really good ball use from the back line. Um... And then guys like Langford and Parrish who have been there, thereabouts, high draft picks, haven't 
really <clears throat> had a breakout season yet, and this might be the year. Let's kick it off with Tim Kelly. He scored 91 points. Time on ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was 1.07. That equated to 80%. Game time, 85.6 points. He increased his midfield usage throughout the game, Jeb, in his second half. He was quite noticeable in that third quarter. Yeah, he was. He he warmed up to it, didn't he? He um probably getting used to the guys around him and um and as he got comfortable and that that's obvious obvious um reaction by anyone. So look, I I just don't think Tim's gonna have the consistent scores for, for selection for fantasy. On to Nick Natnui. Scored sixty four points, time on ground percentage was fifty one. Points per minute was one point two five which equated to 100.4 points at an 80% game scenario. He was sharp early, Jet. He looks extra ready. Yeah, best preseason in four years, as, as we keep hearing on the news over here. I don't think there's been a bloody news story where he, where he doesn't get a mention. Um, he is very much prime for R2, and getting that early jump of value with scores... Um, and then a potential trade-up in, what, round six or seven to, to go on or whoever. Bailey Williams, he scored 59 points. Time on ground percentage was 70. Points per minute was 0.84, which equated to 67.4 points at an 80% game scenario. He was solid in his backup role. Jep? He was. I just... I can see him getting gains this season, definitely. I just... Can't see him getting consistent games this season. I still think R- Vardy, sorry, is our best um, R2. Mm-hmm. He's got a bit of work to do in terms of form, but um, look, no doubt we'll see Williams throughout the year. I just, I'd like to know, well, I like to think I know my team pretty well and, and Simo and the selection team. Um, I just don't think they'll go with him um, for round one anyway. On to Jared Brander. Scored 45 points, time on ground percentage was 72, points per minute was 0.63, which equated to 50 points in an 80% game scenario. He played out on a wing, conditions didn't suit his game, Jep? No, it didn't, but um, he did a few things right and a few things wrong. So I, I like his new positional move, I like him on the wing, I, I like what the West Coast are trying to do, what you know, what they're trying to do with him. Um you know, his ability to take a mark in defensive 50 is, is great and, and that's pretty much his primary sort of goal and role. Um, but then, you know, pushing back hard the other way he, he sort of struggled with and and that two-way running, which um, which you've got to have a massive tank for, obviously. And it's not quite there yet. No doubt he's working hard on it. Um, whether he, does he start round one? I, I'm still on the fence. I think it's... More likely than unlikely, just because there's not really a lot of young outside mids at, at West Coast putting their hand up at the moment. Adam Simpson did say in his post-game presser, to settle him down in that wing role is something we're looking to do. He's got to earn his spot. He did some things really well for us structurally. He did some things he needs to work on. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think the structural part of it is his marking ability and ability to fill the holes in defence, like I said previously. Mm-hmm. And the other heart, the other part was, <coughs> and obviously I took quite attention to him watching him, um, was his ability to run and gut run the other way. So um, that's obviously 
one of the biggest parters of a wingman. And, you know, imagine if he's matched up on Brad Hill or the likes of, you know, Langdon at Melbourne or whoever, all these gut runners, who he will come up against at one point. Um, and he's got to be able to go. So I can't remember who the wingmen are Essendon off the top of my head, but I'm sure he probably wasn't as accountable as he should have been. I'm leaning towards him not being a round one starter. I think, obviously, players are to come back into that team. We will get a better look of what Adam Simpson is thinking with their game against Fremantle this week, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No doubt. On to Darcy Parrish. He scored 104 points. Time on ground percentage was 65. Points per minute was 1.6, which was quite high. An 80% game scenario that equated to 128 points. It was used at 54.8 of CBAs. Again, Jep, he scored quite well. He did. He um, just doesn't look like... It doesn't look any different than previous seasons. Last two years, anyway. So, it's just... Yeah, I just don't know what what we're going to get from him. I, d- I don't think it's anything special. But, look, sure enough, we'll, we'll put him on the list and we'll watch him again this week. Um, and, yeah, he, he'll, he'll be solid... When he's um, when he's free to roam around on any ground, but um, I, yeah, I'm sort of on the fence on him. One player you've already mentioned, Jordan Ridley, he scored 97 points. Time on ground percentage was 85. Points per minute was 1.14, which equated to 91.3 points at an 80% game scenario. He was part of the kicking structure. He was solid in defence, Jep. Yeah, his kicking was fantastic. Um, and no Connor McKenna for the short term might mean he uh, sees some action in the early rounds, but he's just an awkward price, isn't he? Mm. Over to Devin Smith. Scored 84 points. Time on ground percentage was 83, which was 1.01 points per minute, and that equated to 81 points in an 80% game scenario. He played mostly as a half forward in the opening half. He attended just 29% of game CBAs, Jeb. Yeah, that's a worry. Um, I thought he would have definitely had a, a, a heavier midfield run against West Coast yeah. and, and in the Marsh series. Um, yeah, so again, like looking at role and how he fits in the team, it's that's quite a surprise for me. Um, and it obviously dictates whether... like. That percentage in the midfield, I'm, I'm not loving. Mm. Um, I don't think he's going to maintain his $720,000 price tag. Correct. So, um, look, at the moment, it's a big red cross. If you were considering Devin Smith, his role is a must-watch this week, Jeb. Oh, definitely. Like, I could... And, the, like, it all could change, obviously, this weekend. So, oh, I just... I just, yeah, I would have expected more. Maybe they're warming him up to, to building him up to round one. Or um, giving consciously giving other guys a, a crack. So, Jeb, it's just one of those things we have to work out from pre-season games. What is real, what is not, what can we expect during the home and away season. Over to Andrew McGrath. He scored 78 points. Time on ground percentage was 83. Points per minute was 0.94. And that equated to 75.2 points. He looked quite good in traffic, Jeb, but the limited ceiling may be an issue there. Yeah, for all the for someone who did get a decent crack in the in the guts, he um he only scored seventy eight odd. So yeah, not not for me, not good enough. 
I think he's set for a midfield role this year, but again, it's just potentially his scoring ability that may be restrictive there. Yeah, he had one tackle for the game, which ain't going to cut it. Not for me, anyway. Over to the one of the hotter topics of the preseason, especially in the forward line for fantasy coaches, is Jacob Townsend. He scored 42 points. Time on Graham percentage was 66. His points per minute was 0.64, which equated to 50.9 points in an 80% game scenario. He spent the first half in the forward line, Jeb. The second half, he ran through that midfield. Yes, it's a bit of, a, again, a hard read. Um, but I, I gauge that he's he's a very much a lock forward. Um, a lockdown forward. Um, Going to have some roles on some running defenders <clears throat> like Jack Crisp, Lloyd, and those lo- those kinds, those types. So, obviously, tackles brilliantly. Um and he's, you know, I saw him issuing some instructions to some of the younger players as well and, and chatting it out. So um, definitely a role there for him. His scoring ability is a huge concern. Um, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt at this point. Let's see how he goes this week, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One player that came on late was Irving Mosquito. He's definitely put on some size. He scored 33 points from a time on ground percentage of 30%. His points per minute was a noticeable 1.10, which is 88 points in an 80% game scenario. His scoring will be volatile playing a small forward role. He played limited game time last Thursday, but he definitely had an impact, Jep. He did. He's obviously, you can see why Essendon was so keen on picking him up. He, mm. um, he's got the tools, that's for sure. Um, but small forwards typically don't play a fantasy game, do they? That is correct. Over to GWS versus Sydney. This game was played on Saturday at Blacktown International Sports Park. The Giants were far too powerful, Jep, and looked a far better outfit with several key players still missing and on state of origin duties and missing out on the team based on health. Your thoughts on the game overall? Yeah, the game was a bit of an interesting one. Lots of gut running, hard running from GWS and it was... Um not much response from the Sydney Swans, unfortunately. Quite a shellacking. Uh, we had a midfield that just absolutely dominated, um, not so much from the centre square, but just around the ground. And again, two-way running. So um, Sydney got a lot to work on, where GWS looked fit and primed for a big year. And that was a midfield for GWS that was without Tim Tarando for the majority of the game. He dislocated his shoulder. He's likely out for an extended period, which may or may not include surgery. What are your thoughts on the initial impact here, Jeb? Well, obviously you've got Cornelio Well, Taranto to start. We've got... He's going to miss the start of the season. So that probably boosts the stocks of Kelly, um, Cornelio, definitely Jacob Hopper, um, and gives an opportunity for one of the younger fellas like Hatley. Um, everyone's pretty excited about Tom Green, but you know history suggests that He's got to get in line and, and wait his turn. And, you know, you, you back Hatley and, and um, Cold, Caldwell, so, so to speak, to rotate through. Um, I'm sure Green might play throughout the year sparingly. Let's move on to Jacob Hopper. He scored 107 points. Time on ground percentage was 76. Points per minute was a very high 1.41, which equated to 112.6 points in the 80% game scenario. He looks set for a big season, Jep. 
Yeah, definitely agree with you there. And the role is going to be there at the start of the season. And um, Very much so. He's, yeah, he's fit and ready to rock. He's one of those players that is at an interesting price point that probably does offer value for the season, Jeff. Yeah, true. True, yeah. You're going to get that, that cost jump um, while maintaining, you know, 90-plus scores easily. So I, um, I wouldn't look at you funny if you picked him, mate. Over to Jackson Haightley. He's one player that definitely impressed on Saturday. Scored 85 points. Time on ground percentage was 76. Points per minute was up to 1.12, which equated to 89.5 points. He was very impressive, Jep. He'll likely be there at round one. Oh, for sure. I um, he, he takes um, Toronto's 22 spot for mine. Um, there'll be a little bit of a roll shuffle amongst amongst all the 22, but um, yeah, Hatley's in. Before the Toronto injury, I actually thought it was Hatley playing round one anyway. That actually further strengthens his job security for me. Yeah, so with Caldwell only getting 6% game time for whatever reason, it's um, it's interesting to see how the dynamics of the 22 happen and whether Tom Green gets a look in. But, you know, history suggests that GWS, it's they, they first year rooks by their time and are used mm. sparingly. Over to Isaac coming. Scored 83 points. Tom on ground percentage was 70. Points per minute was 1.19, which was quite okay. And that equated to 94.9 points at an 80% game scenario. Played a defensive role, Jep. Scoring rate improved from his previous history. Yeah, probably uh, Lucky Ash's um, direct competition here. Um, did really well coming. It's yeah, it's how he fits in the 22. And again, I can't see him fitting unless he rotates off the bench and, and through, through that sort of avenue. But... Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on him again this week. Over to Tom Green. He scored 76 points. Time on ground percentage was 73. He scored 1.04 points per minute, which equated to 83.3 points. Shepard, he started slowly, but definitely had an impact through that midfield. Yeah, he did. He um very active, very confident young man. Massive kid too. So, um, look, can definitely play. Not obviously... Um, top 10 pick or the 10th pick for this season so I just I hope he gets the opportunity come round one I just just can't see it happening yeah I'm a no for Green playing round one it may happen obviously injuries do dictate uh, opportunities in that midfield and we've seen you know going back a couple of years now Hoppo get a run early in his career but there was limited opportunities after his debut so you're right when you suggest that uh Leon Cameron does limit his rookies in year one. And Green will likely be limited for me, at least in the first few weeks. But generally over the period of the year, uh, his games will probably be limited due to his development. But I think long term here, he looks like a quality player. Oh, for sure. 100% agree. Over to Lockie Ash, he scored 63 points. Time on ground percentage was 72 points per minute, 0.88 which equated to 70 points in an 80% game scenario. Jeppy worked his way into that game. He did, and the one stat I noticed about him that you didn't mention is 94% disposal efficiency for yeah, a first-year player sensational. So, 
look, he's got a long, big career ahead of him. He's, I'm a big rap on him, but um, I just, I hope and pray that he comes in round one. I just, no, just again, can't see it happening for reasons already discussed. It's hard to see him fitting in round one. He's definitely that Heath Shaw replacement, Jeb. Oh, for sure. It's it's obviously Heath is probably in his last season. Let's let's guess that. Um, so yeah, out with the old, in with the new, so to speak. Um, well done to GWS and their list management. On to Sam Jacobs. He scored sixty-two points. Time on ground percentage was seventy. Points per minute was 0.89 at an 80% game scenario that worked out to 70.9 points. Jeff he received a head knock at the start of the third quarter, which did limit his time on ground. I thought he was okay early. Your thoughts there? Yeah, look, no, no crisis points with San Jacobs. I know everyone sort of jumped off him after 62, but um, remember, he's new team, new... New learnings, he'll need a little bit of time to, to get there. So um, I think I thought he did okay. Just before Callum Ward did the interview on TV, he did an interview on the radio. It so happens that I had the radio on at that time that was covering the game. And he said this of Sam Jacobs. We've never really had a good tap Ruckman at the Giants. Jeb, what are your thoughts there? For me, that solidifies Sam Jacobs as clear number one for me. Your it's a big comment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, poor mummy. No, just... But, like, he's right. Sam Jacobs is obviously brought to the team for a reason and, you know, he's still got a lot to give um, even though he's in his early 30s. But it's it's what the GDOs have lacked for so long and imagine, like, first... You know, a bit more first used to already prolific ball winners in bloody um, Canelo, Kelly, and the likes of them. So, yeah, it's it's exciting for me. The Giants, uh, Sam Jacobs, and anyone that has spoken about the ruck situation has never really given an opinion. That's the first comment that I have heard all preseason that suggests it is Sam Jacobs, and it's Sam Jacobs only. I, I agree. I've said that from day dot. Over to Jai Caldwell. He scored 36 points. Time and ground percentage was 59%. Points per minute was 0.61, which was quite low at an 80% game scenario that equated to 48.8 points. And there was plenty of opportunity through the midfield for Caldwell on Saturday, but he failed to score at a decent clip chip. Yeah, um... Which is a shame for him. I'm sure he's beating himself up over it and hopefully gets another opportunity this week to show his worth. Over to Xavier O'Halloran. He's got 21 points. Time on ground percentage was 62. Points per minute was a very low 0.34. At an 80% game scenario, that was 27.1 points. It was a very poor scoring rate, Jeff. Yeah, it was. He really struggled um, and was found up forward as well. So with all that supply... Um, he still only managed 21, which is the big red cross for me. Over to Sydney, Jordan Dawson. Scored 97 points. Time on gram percentage was 91. Points per minute, 1.07. 80% game, so no 85.3 points. Played a defensive role, Jeb. The Swans conceded 64 inside 50s, which meant his usage increased in that back line. 
And his best mate alongside him, Jake Lloyd, wasn't there to get the pill. So yep. he was first, you know, he's the only real go-to. So, look, I just, I take that with a pinch of salt, what he what he did, and he didn't even turn up in the end. So I'm just not even considering Jordan Dawson. Ollie Florent has been touted as a midfield role this year by the coaching staff, and that played out exactly as described on Saturday. He scored 73 points. Time on ground percentage was 83. Points per minute was 0.88, which equated to 70.4 points at an 80% game scenario. He was used at a high rate through that midfield, Jeff. He was. Pardon me. Um, zero tackles, mate, playing through that midfield. I know it was a run-and-gun game, and but mm. it's not as if Sydney had first hands to it yep. a lot of the time, and he still had zero tackles. So... Either he's got a, we can take it as a as a good thing and and you know assume you average four tackles a game and boost up that average, or we put him in the in the hat where he doesn't get the plus fours too much and and therefore we don't pick him as a result. One player that had a great return to football after a long layoff with injury was Sam Naismith. He scored sixty seven points. Time on ground percentage fifty five. Points per minute was a solid one point two two which equated to 97.5 points in an 80% game scenario. JP looked very sharp. He got the attention of plenty of fantasy coaches. There were potential options here with Naismith. He got my attention, buddy. Um, and I actually read, did you know, when you do a bit of research on someone, as you do, he um, he's quoted himself as saying that he's ready for round one and he's expected insinuating basically he's he's expecting to be in the 22 come round one so oh, I just one Sinclair he's a better tap ruckman than Sinclair I already, already agreed I agree that 100% so back to Sinclair's West Coast days where he was the perfect R2 um, I think Sydney are finally going to play two rucks instead of Splitting their time with Alira Lear and Sam Reid or whoever, you know, was pinch hitting in, in in that ruck. They, I've heard, I think it was Luke Parker quoting that they really want that first use and 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 dominate that, um, have that midfield dominance like they used to. And it starts with the ruckman, and it looks like Naismith's not only ready for round one, but got a big role ahead, massive role ahead. Now, there's no doubt for me, Longmire is a dual ruck setup coach and there's also no doubt for me that Sam Naismith plays round one over to Justin McInerney scored 60 points 86% time on ground points per minute was 0.70 80% game scenario was 55.8 points played out on a wing during play Jeb it will likely be a link player for the Swans if he does play yeah um, another one another Sydney midfield with zero tackles um, and the third one we might get to in shortly. So, yeah, he, look, he was okay. He wasn't amazing, but he, he was okay. Um, you're right with how you said he's, he's definitely a link player, isn't he? He um, runs and his foot skills and foot speed are, are probably his asset, and um, Sydney want to use that. Over to James Rowbottom. He scored 53 points, time on ground percentage 71, points per minute at 0.75 which equated to 59.7 points from an 80% game scenario. He was used through the midfield jet. His scoring rate was not great. 
but his role was good. Yeah, definitely. Um, role was key. Uh, and again, like McInerney, looks to be another one putting their hand up for regular senior action this season. On to Will Gould. He scored 47 points. Tom and Graham percentage 68. Points per minute was 0.69. 80% game scenario, that was 55.3 points. Played a halfback role, Jeb. He didn't get much of it, but his role is decent if he plays. True. Um, I think he will play. Confident young fella. Mm. Um, obviously got some weight behind him yep. and didn't mind running through Matt DeBoer yeah. <laughs> at, yeah. at the start of the game. Absolutely. So um, that was a fair hit. Um, no suspension or fine. Did he get a fine? Nah, he definitely didn't get suspended. I know that. So, look, Sample played a lot of senior Sample footy last season, and um, he's he's there. He's there for round one. I think it's just his scoring ability. I think you know the sub fifty scores are going to happen every now and then as a you know basically a key defender, um, and you're paying a little bit more at the two hundred twenty mark. So it's whether. Other defender rooks are putting their hand up, and at the moment they're not. So Gould's, you know, top three defender rooks at this point. Over to Dylan Stevens. He scored 41 points. Tom Graham sent 73. Points per minute was 0.56. At an 80% game scenario, that was 44.9 points. He was kind of quiet, Jeb. Yeah, he was, unfortunately. Another one... Look, firstly, I expected more from him. I don't think um, I'm going to put... You know, he put this performance in the back of my mind. I I think he's one of the best midfield rooks we've got to pick from this season. I really do. Meaning, I mean that. Um, senior footy in the sample again last season, like Gould, um, and can find it really, really well and is a fantastic young player. So hopefully he gets another opportunity in March week two, um, and I think we'll see a different score from him. Yeah, definitely one to watch out for for his role in that midfield and his scoring ability coming out of this game this week for me. Over to Michael Knoll. He scored four points from 22% time on ground. His points per minute was 0.18. game scenario, that was just 14.5 points, which obviously was quite low. Uh, but he doesn't look ready and looks quite far off at Jep. Yeah, agreed. Um, not even R3 worthy. Over to Fremantle and Carlton. This game was scrappy early. The Dockers holding on to the ball, moving through the Carlton zone, to me was quite noticeable. Your thoughts there? Yeah, they looked to possess the footy um, mm. and use it pretty cleanly, which should we should really note. So um, I want to harp on that. The the Collingwood influence on Longview on that has come across to Frio. So we all know Collingwood love to keep a hold of it, frustrate the opposition. Yep. Um, so, you know, when he got Blake Akers getting it 31 bloody times, <laughs> even though he's kicking it or disposing it at 48%, the game plan's pretty noticeable. You know, Aish was on the other wing and he had 24 posies. Um, Luke Ryan out of the back line was the go-to quarterback. Brayshaw, you know, we could harp on Chera as well. So there was a it was big possession footy um, and a clear shift in in the style of play, obviously, from Ross Lyon, which is, you know, basically polar opposite. So good for fantasy coaches because we've got value in acres. We've got value in some of the rooks 
um, and we've got Fife and Walters to still come in the team yet. So, um, note the the main note of of, of from the weekend um, down in Mandra was um, was Fremantle style play for me. The one thing that came out of preseason notes from Justin Longmuir is that he wanted to maintain the ball out of defence in order to reduce the turnovers, and that played out exactly what we've seen on Saturday afternoon, Jeff. Yeah, 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 100%. And that's where uh, Blake Akers got a lot of his ball, was that first kick. Um, and he played behind the ball a lot as well. It was, like, ob- obvious to blind Freddy. It was it was crazy. So, um, for a guy who never considered... Blake Acres specifically with these forward value at 500k. Um, this is where I changed my team, mate. I'll be honest. I, I've played around having Blake in there. So it's it's trying to make it all fit now and, and see if we can back it up in um, Marsh Week 2. I'm expecting a spike in disposals from Fremantle this year, Jeff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and Fife and Walters is, is one, like... Look, Fife's not the greatest kick in the world. He didn't admit that. Um, Walters is. So, you know, and Sarong, as a young midfielder, up and coming, is renowned, was renowned in his youth for his ball use so, and his good decision-making. So we've got a lot to like fantasy-wise about Fremantle, definitely. Let's move on to some players. Rory Lobb, he scored 130 points. Time on grand percentage was 86 points per minute. Was a very high 1.51 his 80% game scenario worked out to be 120.9 points. He played a heap at ruck. Thus, he was on limited minutes there, Jeff. Yeah. Um, was marking the ball fantastically well in the air. So his aerial display was, mm. you know, up up there with the best of them. It's um, it's really, um, really good for Frio. They, um, you know, worried wasn't in good form last season. And I think he... He makes a difference to their team when he's up and going, much like um, Tabana. Um, when Tabana's clunking him in the forward 50 and kicking three goals four, I say that jokingly because he's, again, not the best kick in the world, um, but it gives him a really good chance to, to well, it straightens him up and it gives him a good chance to, to be competitive. So they'll be relying a lot on Lobb and um, Tabana this season. On to your best mate right now, Blake Akers. Scored 104 points, 69% time on ground percentage, worked out to 1.51 points per minute, and that was 120.6 points at an 80% game scenario. Played out on a wing. That's his role in 2020, Jep. 100% his role. Um, playing on a wing, playing behind the ball, playing wherever he basically wants to. Um, he's got to use it better, 48% disposable efficiency. Um but in his, as an outside mid, he still had 10 contested possessions. Yep. So there's a good mix there. Um, and he's ticking a lot of boxes. And I'm, I'm sort of laughing because I'm just so shocked. I, um, I thought he was white noise at the start, of, you know, during fantasy preseason. But, you know, how wrong I was. Over to James H. He'll probably be a swing man for Justin Longmuir this year. He scored 100 points. Time on ground percentage was 82 points per minute, was 1.22. 80% game scenario, that was 97.6 points. He was used at a high rate in that midfield on Saturday, Jep. 
and obviously he will be moved around this season to fill some gaps. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. One of their best players behind probably Lobb. Um, 83% ball, you know, disposal efficiency, sorry, and um, just make good decisions. Nothing crazy. Didn't go outside his limit. You know, he knows what his limits are as a footballer. Didn't try, you know, turn the world on or anything like that. Just did his job. He'll play on the other wing. Um, But he'll be more prominent forward of of centre, I think. So... It's um yeah, good good get by Frio and they'll use him well as far as fantasy goes, not for me. One player that is coming under scrutiny from fantasy coaches is Luke Ryan. He scored hundred and ten points on Saturday. Time on ground percentage was eighty five points per minute was one point two nine. Eighty percent game scenario that was one hundred and three point five points. He was used at the kick in structure jip. I think he'll benefit from the game plan this year under Longmuir which is to maintain possession coming out of defence, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think he's really pushing for a top six um, defender as a result of that new game style. Mm. I know Nathan Wilson wasn't playing. He'll take a little bit away from him, but, yep. you know, 20 kicks, six handballs, hello. That's a bloody good ratio, and we love that as fantasy coaches. So it's it's noticeable. And 80% disposal efficiency, you know, with Wilson, they're, they're the, they'll be the designated kickers. Um, it's got me thinking, do I have the balls to pick him come round one? Probably not. Um, but I give power to people that have the guts. Over to Andrew Brayshaw. Scored 90 points from 60% time on ground. Points per minute was a very high 1.5 points. 80% game scenario, that worked out to be 120 points. He attended a team high 63.6% of CBAs. This is the game that was needed now to see what he does with Fife and Walters back in that team this week, Jep. Yeah, so that's the first point. So definite midfield role for Brayshaw this season, yep. granted. How he works in and around Fife and Walters is is the other question. Yep. Um, does Fife Walters play that 50-50 split? You know, we, we don't know that. Um, there's definite value in picking Brayshaw regardless. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really weighing up, you know, Brayshaw v Acres or both. Or it's there's a lot to like. You know, he's going to always hit the tackle numbers. He's always there's probably won't be a game where he gets less than five tackles. Um, he's going to get the possessions given the game style. It's it's a question of consistency for me. Um, I think he's a really 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 good pickup this year. He's as courageous as they bloody come. I just love the way he goes about his footy and how he puts his head over the ball. He just he got cleaned up by someone on the weekend. And, um, yeah, he um, he felt it, felt a tickle, tried not to show it too hard and, and got up and, and went on his merry way. So, yeah, a lot to like about picking Andrew Brayshaw in fantasy this season. We've discussed the high ownership percentage for Brayshaw at this stage, which I don't like. However, for those coaches that have Brayshaw in their team, that was the game that they needed to see with his scoring rate, his role, and everything was a big tick there, Jeff. Yeah, and it's the hype of pre-season, isn't it? So we've got Blake Akers at 6% ownership, where um, Brayshaw's in the 20s. So, look, those numbers will change prior to round one, no doubt. But, um, yeah, it's... um, it's how, how each player is promoted, I suppose, and how they're analysed. Over to Adam Chera. 
Scored 83 points. Time on ground percentage was 67 points per minute, 1.24. 80% game scenario, that was 99.1 points. He scored quite well, Jep. His role should be more defined with five from Walters returning. Yeah, and he's probably the one where we. I'm still not sure if he's actually going to have uh, a prominent midfield role. Um, yeah, he could be in a rotation between flanks and midfield. Um, but look, a high draft pick from a couple of years ago. He knows, obviously got the skill, got the size and got all the assets. Um, and can use the ball well as well. So he went at 89% disposal efficiency. Um Again, we, we said previously that the high possession, the likely high possession game plan from Longmuir, um, implementing that into Frio. So it's it's not um, it's not crazy to pick him in the in the low four hundred thousand price tag. Over to Conor Blakely, he scored seventy seven points. Time and ground percentage was seventy points per minute was one point one zero. Eighty percent game scenario that was eighty eight points. It was used in a midfield jet. His scoring rate was okay. I just oh, watching the game and again watching him closely, he made some shocking decisions. Um, whether mm. it's rustiness or not, I don't know. I just there's no way I'm picking him with Chera, Brayshaw, Acres around the place. It's just not going to happen. Fair enough. Over to Brett Bewley, scored 67 points. Time of ground percentage was 70. Scoring rate was pretty good at 0.96 points per minute which equated to 76.6 points. Longmuir wanted to settle players into their roles in that game, Jep. Bewley wasn't part of the midfield rotation. No, he wasn't. Um, and I don't think he's going to be. So we put a line through him, even though he's, he screams a bit of value at 340-odd grand. It's um, it's just a no for me with what else is around, with the value in that same team that, that present itself, really. I'd much rather pick Chera for the extra hundred thousand, ninety odd thousand, than um, than taking a punt on Bewley. I just think um, Bewley's definitely going to be an inconsistent scorer this season. On to Caleb Zaron. Scored forty six points. Time on ground percentage was fifty six points per minute. Was 80 percent game scenario. That was sixty five point seven points. Did a couple of really good things for me, Jep. He will benefit from that game. Oh yeah. Yep, first hit out, young kid, definitely got got the tools. Um, I like what I see. I like what I see a lot. So, um, eleven contested possessions in fourteen, my friend. So you know, Nat Fife's got a little brother to run beside him and and win the footy as well as Brace, Andrew Brayshaw, obviously. So, eleven contested possession in fourteen just says says it all. And then to use it still that. 71% disposal efficiency. This kid's going to be a bloody good player. So, um, yeah, he's one of the top midfield rooks for this season. Absolutely. On to Sam Walsh. He's got 97 points. Time on ground percentage was 82 points per minute. was 1.18. 80% game scenario, that was 94.6 points. He was outstanding in the first half, Jep. He looked busy. With the Crips back in, his scoring, for me, was probably going to increase. Yeah, he just—he's such a young professional, isn't he? He just looks so professional with the way he goes about his footy and and his hard work rate, high work rate. Um, well done, well done to him, and 
you know, he's going to be a great player for for a very long time. And those fantasy coaches picking him as that, you know, semi-cash cow that, that's going to provide, you know, three-digit scores, it's, it's a wise pick. On to Sam Doherty. He's got 79 points. Time on gram percentage was 80. Points per minute was 0.99. 80% game snow, that was 79 points. For me, he just got through the game, which was okay. He he improved along the way, Jep. He did. Um, again, first hit out for Doherty in a long time, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And, um, I think changes for me. I'm picking him. He's He'll blow out more cobwebs again this weekend. Yeah, that's pretty much all we wanted to see last week was get through the game, have no issues. Uh, for me, it was all good. Yeah, agreed. On to Ed Kerr now. He scored 74 points. Time on ground percentage was 79. Points per minute was 0.94. 80% game scenario was 74.9 points. He was used through the midfield, wing and forward role, Jep. Yeah, much of what we've seen from him in the past, isn't it? Um, Definitely. It's not... You know, he's way behind Walsh in my eyes, so um, it's a no for me at this point. On to Cade Simpson. Scored 73 points. Time on ground percentage 66. Points per minute was quite solid at 1.11. 80% game snow, that was 88.5 points. He played his usual halfback role, Jep. Yeah, the old fellow just keeps on producing, and um, yeah, look, he's, he's probably going to be his last season, and... Um, Hopefully he has a good one. Um, but yeah, he's still got plenty of value and on-field leadership to provide the young Carlton group. Over to Nick Newman. He scored 58 points, 87% time on ground. Points per minute was 0. 0.67. 80% game scenario that worked out to 53.3 points. As we expected, Jeb, he played a lockdown small defender role. Yeah, that yeah, just surprised me. Um, Didn't surprise but me. Yeah, I know. We were sort of opposite ends. You, you win this one. Um, it's it's just that, that production, that 58.83 um, points per minute. It's just not, not going to tick the box, is it? I think, he, I think he can still score, but he's, it will be volatile at best this season for me, for Newman. Yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. He'll, he'll bob up every now and then, but we want consistent fantasy players, don't we? Correct. Onto Jack Martin. He scored 52 points. Time on ground percentage was 45. Points per minute was 1.16, which was quite solid. 80% game scenario. That was 92.4 points. Played mostly forward. Jep, he roamed up onto the wing during play. Again, he scored quite well. Played the first half only. Yeah, I thought he had a pretty good healthy amount of midfield minutes as well. Um, enough for me to... Just roaming up. Yeah, just roaming yeah. up. Yeah onto the wing, obviously. Correct. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving the space up. So, look, I, I like what he produced, and I, he, he's exactly what Carlton need. They need silky skills getting delivered into Ford 50, and I, yeah, he's got a big year this year. Um, and as far as fantasy goes, he, he presents a lot of value, and he'd be pushing that one of those top six um, forward spots for the fantasy season. On to Richmond versus Collingwood yesterday. Several key players missing that were on state of origin duty, and that needs to be taken into account with this game and scoring, obviously. Jaden Short, he scored 103 points. Time on ground percentage was 84 points per minute, was a very solid 1.23. At 80% games an hour, that was 98.1 points. He played a defensive role, Jeb. He scored quite well. Yeah, he was great. Um, 
little go-getter. He's got such a penetrating kick. Um, yeah, again, hasn't shown us fantasy coaches in the past big, big scores. Um, but, you know, another year of improvement after an injury to his elbow that was pretty serious. So, yeah. um, big year, big year for Jaden, and he'll be a fantastic asset for Richmond. Jack Ross, he scored 65 points. Time on ground percentage was 69. Points per minute was 0.94. game to know that was 75.4 points. He played through the midfield. His scoring rate was okay, just for me, Jeff. Yeah, tick the box. Um, it's going to play a role for Richmond, I think, as well this season. Um, looked a lot fitter and stronger after another summer. So, um, yeah, not nothing too, um, nothing too much to worry about with Jack Ross. Sydney Stack, he scored 58 points. Time on ground percentage was 72. Points per minute were 0.81. 80% game scenario, that was 64.4 points. It was a slow day for Stack, Jep. He might enjoy the wide open spaces of the MCG better. Yeah, and he got a lot of junk time in that, in that score as well, believe sure. it or not. He was, um, I was watching DFS, almost jagged a win in DFS in this game. Um, but um, um, thanks to not picking Stack, and then he... Um, he must have had like 25 in that last 18, 15 minutes. And um, I dropped down the bloody order. So, um, yeah, look, he, he's obviously an impact player. He's not a huge possession winner, so not for me. Marley and Pickett. He scored 44 points. Time on ground percentage was 79%. Points per minute was 0.56, which was quite low. 80% game to know that was 44.6 points. He played at a high rate through that midfield jet, but the scoring rate was pretty low. Yeah, he gave away four free kicks. It didn't help, but um, mm. yeah, not what I wanted to see <laughs> um, yep. from someone starting in our midfield. Look, we all still pick him. That's for sure. It's now whether is he going to, and I think he is. I think he's still. He's obviously got the skill and the game to to produce um, in a fantasy sense. And having Cochin and Dusty back in that team will help him definitely. I think most. Fantasy coaches will start with Pickett on the ground at round one. But we just want to have a look again this week when the Tigers play because some sharp fantasy coaches might want to move him to a bench spot. What are your thoughts there? It's a bloody interesting one and I'm still scarred from last season doing this to Charlie Constable and mm. starting Constable on the bench last season. So for quite a variety of similar reasons. So... Let's be honest. Anyone playing through the in the Richmond midfield, um, you know his role and job security are massive ticks. So, it's I think he can correlate <clears throat> with fantasy scores. So I think starting on the bench is a bit of a crazy, crazy call. Over to Thompson Dale. He may be a late bolter for round one. Jeff scored twenty four points. Time on ground percentage was twenty points per minute. Was a very very solid one point two zero. 80% game scenario, that was 96 points. Damien Hardwick, in his post-game presser, said, he looked comfortable at the level. I'd like to think we would get a bit more game time for him next week. We've been very, very impressed with how he's gone about it. What are your thoughts there? Senior footy for him at some point this season, that's what I read into it. Yeah. It's just a question of round one, so let's see how he goes alongside an almost full-strength Richmond team. Um, see what his role is, and with that more game, you know, with the more game time he gets, and and then weigh it up from there. I think I think it's too early to give a definitive call on on Tommy Dow. 
I think once he is named for me, Jeb, I'm trying to get him into my team as quickly as possible. Do you think he can? Do you think you'll correlate in the score? I know his points per minute was great um, last weekend or yesterday, um, but do you think it will correlate in you know in senior footy? From what I've seen in the under-18s championships last year, absolutely. Okay, good. On to Collingwood, Jack Crisp. He scored 124 points. Time on ground percentage was 63. Just 63, Jack. Points per minute, 1.97. Again, Jack, 1.97. Crazy. 80% game scenario, a whopping 157.5 points. He scored at a very good clip, Jep. The ownership needle has deviated, and even more so today when Selby sends out a tweet that he can't be ignored. Yeah, you, you, well, I'm just, as you give him the rap, I, I look up his ownership and it's at 11%. Mm. And I can, it's, it's been a lot lower than that. So, look, I every time I looked up, he had the ball in his head yeah. um, and he kicked a goal, which he doesn't normally do as well. So, um, Nothing changes to Jack Chris in terms of role for 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 the Pies. He's going to be prolific. It's just consistency for me. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything amazingly new and different from last year. Um, even with Trelaw going out again, I don't think that changes too much. Um, I think he's best used like he's a really good user of the footy from back of centre, and he. Um, yeah, he, he's got a penetrating kick and can break those lines as well and, and the zone. So, yeah, they'll um, they'll look for him as the quarterback and um, big year for Jack Crisp again. Over to Adam Trelaw. He scored 103 points. Time on ground percentage was 71. Points per minute was quite solid at 1.45. 80% game scenario was 116.1 points. He injured his hamstring leg, Jep. He's likely to miss round one. Yeah, shame. It's a real shame, um, as you did. Um, you know, I've been toying with him as one of my mid primo spots all season. Oh, it's, it's just narrows the gap in that top half, doesn't it? Um, and he looked bloody good too before he did it. He looked really good. He was gut running through the lines, keen as mustard for it. Like, looks super, super fit. And I was smiling. Um, as I was watching him, thinking, yep, this guy's going to have a massive year. So it's a shame the, um, we look to him later in the season because um, I think he's going to be another top eight mid, you know, be up there again as I'm far as midfielders go. I'm in search of another premium mid- midfielder. He was at about 15 or 16% before that game. I was quite happy with that percentage. I was quite happy, obviously, with his role and his scoring ability. But for me, I'm in search of another premium midfielder right now. On to Darcy Cameron. Scored 107 points. His time on ground percentage was 75. Points per minute was 1.43. 80% game scenario, Jep. 114.1 points was obviously quite noticeable. Showed us some scoring ability finally. Definitely some thinking here. Mate, okay, sorry. Again, another R2 prospect that's got everyone excited. Mm-hmm. So he's can play the pinch-hitting ruck and forward role, mm-hmm. definitely. He took a grab of that forward 50 where my eyebrows and ears pointed 
you know, to the sun, and I was very impressed with what I saw. I know you're going to have Buckley's comments coming up in a sec, but um, definitely ahead of Cox for me, and I know you, you may or disagree with that, but to me, I think he adds far more value in, the, in his taps to advantage and hit-outs to advantage than Cox does. Um it's actually more the impact that it has on Brody Grundy as well as having Cox playing as well and, and considering all of that as well. Um, oh, yeah. Very, very, very interesting. Very interesting, my friend. Darcy Cameron has thrown a spanner in how we, we start our um, fantasy teams, no doubt about it. Nathan Buckley said in his post-game presser, his ruck work has probably been better than even we'd hoped for. He's actually asked the question of Brodie Grundy and Mason Cox with our centre bounce work in particular. Your thoughts there, Jep? You could take those comments any which way. You know, he might just be saying it for show, which is what I actually think he's doing. Um, Look, Cox is obviously still value to the Collingwood Football Club, especially in the 22. I just thought... You know, he was out of form. I know he had the eye injury and all the rest of it. I just, that R2, they really missed last season. They really, really missed it towards the, the prime end of last year. Um, and I don't think, but, well, Bucks is one to, if you're in form, you're in. Like, he's not one to sugarcoat anything. Um, Cox will need to earn his spot back if, if Cameron does get an early go. And in saying that, if Cameron gets the early go and then drops off and has a couple of poor performances, you know, he's got Cox right behind him, you know, pushing him out. So, one, we could start Darcy Cameron as R2 potentially. We, I think that's a very, very high-risk scenario because of the competition for spots <clears throat> being between him and Mason Cox. Um his scoring ability obviously proves he ticked the box on the weekend that he can score a decent clip and score a decent clip worthy of starting on your field. This is what I'm getting at. So we, we've got a, a massive lag in $170,000 rookies that can hit a score, um, and he does that. So the obvious temptation is to start him at R2 or, you know, if you get creative, you can even start him at F6, whatever. Um so, yeah, it's just, again, we wait and see for this weekend. We watch what happens and watch what um, what output is provided and see where, you know, obviously Brody Grundy's going to play, you would think, and if they all, all three of them play or one misses out, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Cox gets bumped and, and they just like, because they know what the chemistry between Cox and Grundy's going to be, they'll probably play Cameron and Grundy now and this weekend. See how that chemistry is and, and um, see if it's a winning formula for round one and onwards. So, oh, it's, yeah. He, again, another reason why I've absolutely reshaped my whole team structure. Um, I just want to maximise those 170k rooks on my field really. For me Mason Cox is still ahead of Darcy Cameron I don't think you'll agree with that but that's the way I see it sitting right now but that gap has definitely closed after that Marsh series game 
let's not forget it's just a preseason game. Cameron did obviously tick a massive box for his scoring ability, but we've got to take into account that he will not be a number one rock if he does play over Mason Cox during the season because obviously Grundy's number one is clear number one. There is potential impact on Grundy if Cox if Cameron sorry does play. So if Cameron is in that same lineup as Grundy, there is a potential that Grundy might spend some more time forward, which does have an impact there as well. But for me, as I stand right now, and that could change after this weekend and even before round one, and even through the early rounds of the season, Nathan Buckley did say in his press conference yesterday as well, it could be horses for courses. So it might be in one week at the next. So you've got to be very, very careful if you're tempted to play Darcy Cameron on field for me, Jep. Yeah, and that's where planning forward probably suits a bit better. But I agree with that. I think he he's a very high-risk pick. Because um, Collingwood, you know, they're priming for top four and they're priming for a premiership this season. They're, they aren't going to muck around. Um, if you're in form, you play. If you're not, you work on what you need to in the VFL and, and work your way back into the team. So, yeah, it's it's good. It's good, healthy competition, and it's good, healthy options for us fantasy coaches. Fantasy coaches. I guess the positive there is that if you're considering Cameron as the R3, obviously, at the bench spot, that as a backup to Grundy, you were quite confident rolling him at R3, even if he plays or doesn't play as backup to Grundy there, Jeff. True. Absolutely true. That's that's right. I just I think he's a bit of a waste at R3 um, if he does play. That's just me. Over to Taylor Adams. Scored 99 points. Time on ground percentage was 75 points per minute. was 1.32, which was quite okay. 80% game scenario. That was 105.6 points. He played at a heavy rate through that midfield jet. His scoring was solid. Yeah, look, he was good. Um yeah, he hasn't missed a beat, really. He's he's come back fit and, and ready, and we, we know what he's going to give us. Um, hardness, possessions, tackles. Um, picking him's not a crazy idea. Over to one player that I've been high on over the preseason is Tyler Brown. Scored 53 points. Time on ground percentage was 73. Points per minute was 0.73. 80% game scenario, that was 58.1 points. He did some real nice things, Jep. We need to see how he fits in this week. Yep. So we need to see how he goes with Pendles back. Um, it's it was a good first hit out. He didn't look out of place. You know he used the ball at eighty seven percent disposal efficiency. And Bucks would love that. So yeah, let's he, he ticks of the first box and ticks it really well. Let's see how he goes this weekend. Absolutely. Nathan Murphy came on late in this game. Scored 47 points. Time on ground percentage was 45%. Points per minute was quite solid at 1.04. 80% game scenario, that was 83.6 points. He came on late to a defensive role and scored quite well, Jeff. He did. He definitely did. Um, and again, looked very confident and assured of himself as a big fella, a big young fella. So... Um, yeah, let's let's see what they what he does again this weekend. I think he'll be a downgrade option in the during the year if injuries hit the pies. For sure. Over to Jay Rantel. Scored thirty points. Time on ground percentage was twenty four. Played pretty much the last quarter. 
Points per minute was 1.25, which was very good. 80% game scenario that worked out to be 100 points. Again, he played the last quarter only. A scoring rate was quite impressive, Chip. Yeah, and very good user of the footy. Bloody hell. Um, and made some good decisions too in that quarter. So, Colin would get themselves a gem and, um, yeah, hopefully he gets opportunities. But it's going to be pretty hard to break into Collingwood midfield. Obviously, with the Trelaw injury, that potentially opens up for Tyler Brown. It does. Uh, Callum Brown did run through that midfield on Sunday, so we just really need to see how that plays out uh, with Trelaw. And potentially, it's only missing round one for Trelaw, so you know, might be in for one week at the next. Look, I, I yeah, we'll wait and see with how long that is. Hopefully, that is the case. Um, I just think Tyler Brown gets a go early now, especially with the Trelaw injury. So he's got to play well and a lot to go under the bridge before round one, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's just the way they've been talking him up, how he's been prepped, even the way he he played on the weekend. <clears throat> you know, there's he fitted seamlessly into their style of play. Um, and he's a smart footballer. He's a very smart footballer. Some players would be easy to coach and I reckon he'd be one of them. Mm. All those game recaps are available on aflratings.com.au under fantasy. Teams Jepper this week will be near at full strength in the last week of the Marsh series. It will be a good guide for fantasy coaches. Your thoughts there? Yeah, a lot less speculation, isn't it? We can draw on the hypotheticals um, of who and what and where everyone fits in terms of Joel and uh, job security and role and all the rest of it. No, but we've got cancelling all plans that you and I this weekend, watching nine games of footy and and providing listeners with with the ultimate feedback. On to disposals per inside 50. We want to see if teams are slowing down their ball movement or wanting to be more efficient moving the ball. This is an early indicator only throughout the Marsh series. Gold Coast and Hawthorne decreased their disposals per inside 50 compared to the 2019 home and away season in their first game in the Marsh series. Brisbane and Geelong, they slowed down their ball movement over the same time frame. This is an early indicator, Jep. Week one of the Marsh series, especially for a team like Geelong, who showed pretty much zero intent, but obviously, throughout the preseason, we can get a gauge on teams wanting to move the ball. Your thoughts there? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, relying on the individual and the team in unison is is key when picking our primos and rooks and all the rest of it. Um, but let's let's concentrate on the teams using the ball. You know, <clears throat> predominantly through the midfield and. It's having those high possessions in the forward line just probably indicates the the disposal efficiency going in. Um, and granted, there are a lot of young players playing at the minute that um, aren't dynamite by foot. So definitely food for thought. Uh, but let's weigh it up again at the end of this weekend, I think. Last year, Collingwood, obviously, they were a high disposal uh, team. Uh, they went at 8.0 disposals per inside 50. GWS, again, they were a high disposal team and should be again this year. 
they were 7.7 disposals per inside 50. Brisbane were the most efficient last year, Jeb, at 6.4 disposals per inside 50. So when we're starting to look at teams holding the ball across halfback and through the midfield and getting the extra plus sixes, Brisbane is a team that you pretty much don't want to be looking at. And obviously Collingwood, which we know, on the weekend they showed that again. Fremantle is one that you've already hollowed and I completely agree with you on that, that their disposals will increase this year. I think that will spike in this scenario right here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, it, and it's important information to note for the players that you're picking. Um, it's, and I harp on the Fremantle guys a lot. It is um, a safer bet picking a Blake Akers versus, say, Chad Wingard. Let's give that comparison just hypothetically. I think I would go with the Akers ahead of ahead of Wingard at this point. That article is available on aforratings.com.au under stats. On to player news and notes. Hayden Young, Jeb, he's been in the news of recent days. There's potential he could play some minutes in pre-season for the Dockers. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, look, on Saturday in the West, there was an article um, and Mark Duffield had interviewed Justin Longmuir. I don't think everyone's seen some of the comments that were had, but I I wrote some notes, as I do, um, while in a coffee shop um, and having a look at it quickly. So the exact words were, well, the question was, where is Hayden Young at and when, when might we see him? And then his, his response was, we will probably have to wait a couple of weeks to see Youngie. He's had a really good pre-season, but there are some precautionary steps we are taking with him at the moment to strengthen his lower body. It is more a long-term approach so that once he starts playing footy, we will see him play a lot of footy. It's nothing to worry about. It's just trying to build his body to be resilient to AFL standards. Mm-hmm. When he starts playing, we want him to have a full season. So it's a bit cryptic there, but at the same time, I I look at that as if he's missing round one and they're, they're just taking a slower approach with him. Mm. There's potential there missing round one, but obviously when he's good to go, he'll be actually good to go. We sort of need him round one, Jeff. That, that's the only issue here. Oh, that's, don't we? We're screaming for Rooks um, and Rooks of his quality for round one. It's it's a real shame. It's a real concern too. Um, we're going to have to find some more value elsewhere if, if it is elsewhere. Uh, he yeah he was a, he's been hasn't moved all summer from my from my twenty two. So oh. This is, this is what's concerning me, not just Hayden Young, but all rookies. Mm. Having having those value picks, you know, there's obviously the 170Ks that, that we need to, to jump on, but guys like Hayden Young, even at 250, screams a lot of value. And given his foot skills and quality of ball use and the way Freeman are going to play this season, yep. he, you know, he could even be worth a punt. And... I'm just speaking out loud. I'm not going to say I'm going to do it, but you'd even consider sitting him on the bench. Maybe he comes in round two or three and you sit him on the bench and, and, and bring him in later. I, I don't know if that's an out there prospect, but look, look obviously we'll we'll see what happens till you know, that weekend of round one, but oh, it doesn't, doesn't uh, sit well with me at the moment. His ball years by foot is elite. 
watching him through the under 18s championships he will fit in absolutely well in that Fremantle backline and obviously Jeff and I have already discussed what we're thinking is going to happen with Fremantle this year so this is one player when he is named do not miss out for me 100% agree buddy on to Carlton Sam Petrisky Seaton dealing with a quad issue he's set for a halfback role in 2020 Jeff obviously we need to see him play in that Carlton back line before the season starts. If we're not, we're going to go a little bit blind here, but I still think Doherty is going to be okay. Your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, I, I don't think he affects Doherty at all. Um, Petrisky Seaton is obviously a quality kid and I'm trying to find a, a way in the 22, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it impacts any other Carlton player at all that we're looking at fantasy-wise anyway. Over to Essendon, Dyson Heppel, who's likely to be available for round one. He had a screw taken out of his foot there a week or so ago. There's one player that will impact that round one midfield mix for Essendon. For me, he's a pure midfielder only. I don't see him, unless it's out on the wing there, starting there. But when we're looking at Devin Smith, we need to take into account that we haven't seen Dyson Heppel this year yet. Yeah, good point. Um, it's, yeah, it affects Smith, doesn't it? Yep. On to Hawthorne, Blake Hardwick. It's obviously the news today that came out that he tore a pec muscle. He's going to miss several weeks. That could be good news for Demi Grease. Jep? Yeah. <laughs> Give us the defender um, rookie for us players, please. I mean, unfortunately for Hardwick, and we don't want to encourage injury and, and laugh at Hardwick's expense, but the plus side is um, Greaves gets an opportunity, and, and that suits us very, very well. Onto the Kangaroos, Kane Turner. Obviously, he's injured as well. That could be good news for Jack Moni. Yep. Yeah, again, um, injury through opportunity, or opportunity through injury, I should say. Um, I'm going to be watching him heavily this weekend. Onto old mate Tommy Rockliffe. He said on radio today, I will be full time, probably permanent mid in 2020. 85% game time just through the midfield, then rotate off the ground. Jep, he's ready for round one after undergoing off-season shoulder surgery. He's 1% owned, can you believe it? Oink, oink. Does he still have it in him, mate? And not just one week. We know he can still score the, the 120-pluses. I'm not doubting that. Can he back it up week in, week out? That is my question. Because last season, even though the... Um, the guy that um, took out the whole thing last year had him, right, yeah. yeah, had him at different points. It was the time he picked Rockcliffe, correct, um, and 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 really cashed in on those scores um, because he only held him for what six seven weeks in that patch where he dominated. So, oh, just I'm not starting with him. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. And but yeah, got, yeah, well. Imagine the fantasy community if he scores 150 in round one. Well, he plays the Gold Coast, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fully aware. <laughs> it's like... So for me, obviously you're quite correct. It was the timing that helped Craig last year win because reading through social media, obviously when I've popped up Tom Rockley's name on my Twitter feed, people were screaming at what Rocky did last year. But then we look at Craig's team, who actually won AFL Fantasy overall, 
and he used him at some crucial points and even as a captain at high-scoring games. So the timing is everything. Obviously, you can't see everything there, but uh, looking back on last year, it was timing was a critical element for Rockcliffe. He can still score. I think that's going to be his game again this year. We could see some low scores. He may even tag at certain scenarios. Who knows what Port Adelaide are going to do. Uh, for me, he's a potential there at 1%. That is great. Uh, that is a great point of difference for me. Uh, with Trelaw going down, Rocky's now an option for me. Wow. There you go. I'm not surprised, but look, and as let's run through. So they play Gold Coast round one, Adelaide round two, North Melbourne round three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we got West Coast round four. So I can tell you the tip that West Coast definitely won't tag him. Um, it's that's a pretty good start to the season, isn't it? Yep. So there's definitely, um, you know, merit to picking to start the year. I think if Port Adelaide get off to a good start in the opening games of the season, that late quarter junk time for Rockliffe, that's where he could really start to rack it up, Jeff. Yeah, that's typically where he does rack it up. You know, he, he, he loves a tackle too, um, but he's the mark kick player. He has been forever in a day. Um, yeah, you got me thinking again, you bugger. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I just I just worry at his age, and and given the you know the young blood around him and, and how you know keen and I just don't think he's going to be a consistent scorer. But I'm happy to be wrong. We're going to get into an in-depth discussion into R2 in a few minutes' time. But just on, we're just going to touch on John Patton here. Uh, there are a few coaches contemplating him at R2, Jeff. Yeah, not the worst move. Um, I don't see the value in Patton than I do others. Um, and I see more value in Adenui than I see Patton, even though Adenui's 100 grand more. Mm-hmm. Um but I've heard a lot, I've read a lot that people are using Patton as backup in the forward line yep. for whoever their R2 is at the minute, which is a bit weird for me. I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be <clears throat> wasting that spot, so to speak. If you're picking an R2, you're picking him, you're backing him in because um, Anyone of value, when they get injured, you're going to trade them out anyway. You can't have 400, 300-odd grand sitting on the bench, especially in rounds one and two. So, yeah, I um, I don't like the pattern forward backup theory. It makes me cringe. On to Port Adelaide, Mitch Georgie Artis. He didn't play the last quarter in March 1. He was rested last week, which is a little bit of a concern there, Jeff in the under-23 game against Adelaide. He missed last year with multiple surgeries. This is a little bit of a concern, Jep, that his longevity in the early part of the season when we need rookies to generate cash, that he could be a miss every now and again. Your thoughts there? Yeah, so look, he's too risky. He's expensive for one. You need him, If you're going to pick him, you start him on your field. Yep. And he's just too risky. I, uh, you, you couldn't do it. 
his scoring ability isn't, you know, his ceiling's not that high as a rook either. So it's just, just no. Uh, definitely his scoring will be volatile for the position he plays. On to the under-23 game, Port Adelaide versus Adelaide. Harry Sharonbury is one player that we talked up early in our podcast when we did our draft review, Jep. Um, for me, I likened him to a young Patrick Dangerfield. He's definitely a star in the making for me. He looked great in that under-23 game. I think he might be something special, Jip. Yeah, I, I do too. I completely agree with you. I just don't think he's going to be around the mark for round one, unfortunately. But he'll be in for the season proper at some point this year and he'll be one of our downgrade targets. He is one player to definitely look out for this week for the Crows. On to Ned McHenry. He went off in the third quarter during this game with a back issue, potentially a hamstring-related issue. That could set his round one chances back, Jep. Yeah, it's a bugger too. Again, he was probably a, a decent um, mid-bench spot. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, his role will be a half-forward role. It won't be through the midfield of the Crows early in the year. Yeah, correct. Agreed. Yeah. Over to Chase Jones. He played through the midfield. He did okay for me, Jep. I think he'll be there round one. Yeah, I do too. I do too. He's got to, he's got to work on some things. Obviously, he's not perfect, um, but the roles there. He's obviously one of the fittest at the club. He's gut running, and you know that he's a plus six convert. If I've ever seen one, um, anyone who gut runs. So yeah, look, he he'd be there about. So I remember in March one, he had his disposal efficiency at fifty percent. So he needs to prime that up, but. Um, as a forward, where we're looking for value, he, he, he shows it. On to Ben Crocker. He was one of the standout players on Saturday. He's definitely put his name up for round one. But when you've got Fogarty, Walker and Lynch to come into that team, he may be the one player to miss out, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. I think he's sort of been recruited as backup. He's 283k, Jeff. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, look, shows a bit of value, but I'd rather chase Jones, personally. Fair enough. On to Melbourne versus North Melbourne last Friday. This was a practice match scheduled at Arden Street in North Melbourne. Christian Petrarca was the hot topic, even though he didn't play. James Harms said during the telecast, with Petrarca moving into a midfield role, I will play across halfback in 2020. So that wasn't his exact quote. But he was referring to what his role would be this year, and he mentioned that with Petrarca moving into the midfield, he was moving to a halfback role. So the two players there, Harms going to halfback, Petrarca, that midfield role is correct and real. Yeah, wow. It's, it just throws another spanner in the works. You know, we've got these guys falling off trees, we've got no rooks, but then the likes of Akers, Petrarca, and you know everyone else. It's yeah. It's it's a high risk, high reward scenario for me picking Petrarca. I um I think we're more comfortable with what Acres is going to produce and what Petrarca's going to produce, and I'm more talking out loud now. I suppose it. What if what if there's a mid season change up and someone good wouldn't did it last year. Um, even in the game, real game time as well. If um, 
if someone else has dominated through the midfield, he's not going to interrupt that. So, granted, his 75 average, Petrarca's 75 average will go up. I, I definitely agree with that. Typically, with these type of players, you're looking for a 20-plus gain. Yep. Um, can Petrarca average 95 in the early rounds? We don't. We I think we both agree he's not a plus six forward for the year, especially with the likes of Paddy Dangerfield going to be a forward later in the season. Um, so we're looking for value early in the season. Is he going to provide it? Probably yes. Can he average 95? Well, that's debatable. For sure. His usage in the midfield is real for me. He's lost weight. He's had a great preseason. His role will change via harms moving out. There are a lot of good indicators here, Jeb. But what is staring me in the face right now with Petrarca is Melbourne play West Coast in Perth, round one. And if you're selecting Petrarca, that could be a 60-50 point hit up straight up. And that would be a poor result straight off the bat. Yeah, that'd sting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I think I... I think... Well, imagine if... What if Petrarca gives us another 120 this week? Yeah, well, the, I think then with... If he goes large with a pretty much a full complement midfield this week, even with Brayshaw back, then he would ha- definitely have to be highly considered. Mm. It's an interesting one, Pete. It's an interesting one. I'm more unlikely than likely, put it that way. Fair enough. On to the game now between the Kangaroos and Demons. Tom Sparrow, he played a midfield role again, Jep. Obviously, with Brayshaw coming in, that could be the squeeze on Sparrow out of that team at round one. Jeez, I hope not, mate. I really hope not. This guy can play football. Yep. Um, he's and right. play it well. if, if he's if he plays, he's, he's pretty much going into that midfield. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and grant grant that completely. Um, I would think as a second year rookie, he's probably got a little bit of go home factor. So he's South Australian. He, as I understand, it, hasn't signed a contract for next year. Um, there'll be some politics with Melbourne having to play him to to keep him at the club, and I know they highly rate him. So I think he plays. What At what stage of the season he plays is 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 undetermined. But, um, you know, if we've got a midfielder at Melbourne for 294000 as a forward in fantasy, hello. So we are, we are looking the goods here, but it's... Um, yeah, hopefully Brayshaw doesn't stuff it up for everyone. I don't mind the out-of-contract narrative street there. I think Sparrow, if he does play, should have a solid season. But again, it's just that midfield squeeze and how he's going to fit in with a full complement of midfielders there. I guess this week will tell a big story for Sparrow, Jip. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll know... Very much will have a, a far better idea of where he's where he's headed for, for round one and where he's going to play and, and feel more comfortable one way or another, whether we pick him or not. One of those players that will be impacted with the Sparrow scenario is Angus Brayshaw. He played on Friday. He moved into a midfield role after some time. His elbow was strapped, but he was fine, Jep. 
Another player that might be some interest at a low salary for fantasy coaches is Curtis Taylor. He did debut last year for the Kangaroos, but his scoring rate was quite low. Todd Goldstein said during the broadcast, I think you'll see him play a fair bit this year. He played a half-forward role moving up the ground, Jep. For me, that was quite noticeable. He'll be close at round one. Yeah, okay. He was a highly rated junior. Mm. Very high rated junior. Um, and he's obviously $170,000 this season in fantasy. So, yeah, well, he's on my list. I know that. Um, he's hoping he gets a gig and, and produces this weekend. I think he'll play round one, obviously, with the Kane-Turner injury. Um, Jack Money was one of those ones that I mentioned previously that could be getting a game at round one for that injury. But I still think Curtis Taylor is in that round one team. Over to another player that has sparked some interest over the preseason from fantasy coaches, Aiden Bonnerchip. He started in the midfield but worked his way out of the midfield. I'm concerned about his scoring ability and obviously his role when you get Higgins and Cunnington back into that team and Zebel obviously as well. Yeah, I, I think he's um, he's not a sensible pick with other forward with prices available. Yep, I think he's too expensive for me at that price point for sure. Yeah, I, it just it just comes down to to how you want to spend the cash and oh, just it's points per minute, however you want to analyse it. Um, but yeah, I just he's way down the pecking order for me. Finally, let's discuss this ruck to position, Jeb. There are options everywhere. Settle in, settle in. We, are, oh, mate, this is seriously keeping me up at night. Where do you stand oh. right now? Okay, so right now I think May Smith is round one. I think he's locked for round one. I I, I rewatched the game on the weekend. He's playing round one. But he's playing round one in the mid. He's starting in on, in the guts. He's starting on the ball. Okay. I I watched his ruck work very closely, and that's what I take away from all of this. I really, I um. So, so I'm picking him. Based on that on that knowledge, so if all these theories are correct, then I'm picking him mm-hmm. because he's he's. 284 grand, he's going to score 60 plus, 65 plus every week, you would think. Um, you know, he might be, he might have the odd shocker, but um, I'm struggling at this R2 spot so badly and who to, who to go with out of the likes of Natanui Jacobs, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, we got some value. We don't have a lot of rooks putting their hand up for round one, mm-hmm. trying to balance my team with primos and the rest of it and he suits my team setup. So, with all that said, he's my R2 at this point. <laughs> then you throw in Darcy Cameron. Yeah. And Zeri, Cherry, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the um, Williams from West Coast. And look, no, noting Williams of my comments earlier in the podcast, Williams ain't playing round one. I just, I'd be very, very, very surprised. So, um, he'll play at some point this season, but he's not going to be playing consistent enough for us to warrant selection. So listeners just put a line through Williams. Cherry, I don't know, I put a tweet out to the North Melbourne faithful and said, does he fit? Do they do they play the three tools? Do they play Goldie, Brown and Cherry? And do they, you know, relieve Brown of all ruck duties and have him start... It's too, you know, it's too yeah. many tools. 
So many tools? Yep. So, the, but the other issue we've got here is that Brian is struggling to get to round one. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, he might play, Tristan might early play rounds. Yeah, early rounds. Therefore, we do get a rookie at a low Does price. Does he at a low price, but you know the job security is there, and with Dor in that team, uh, with Brand in that team, with Goldstein in it, Goldstein in that team, for me, if you go Zeri, that's actually probably one tall too many. Yeah, and we don't know definitely if Dor's going to play. I know you're big on him, um, but we we don't have any definite assurance that he's in the twenty-two for round one, so. I just look at their team structure, and I and I put myself in the coaching shoes for North Melbourne. Um, and if I'm really sure, I say to myself, "Do I want to risk my star full forward who won? He won the Coleman last year, or came close to no, he was second to the Coleman last year. Yep. And do I want to have that? Do I want to protect him a little bit? Have have that marking target always at the expense of a runner." at the expense of someone who can still bob up and kick a goal um, and probably have the third tool on him and he, you know, he's mobile and agile enough, Cherry, to, to do some damage. That's what I noticed watching him. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really the discussion, isn't it? I'd be highly surprised if, he's a, if he is there around one. Having said that, the kangaroos do have injuries. We might not see the full picture at North Melbourne until about rounds three or four but for me he's not there round one the interesting one that that is coming under fantasy scrutiny Jeff, is Sam Jacobs do we or don't we go with Jacobs for me I've been a big no I just don't want to go down that path but listening to Callum Ward and what we mentioned in the podcast earlier if you do have Sam Jacobs in your team for me that's a big tick yeah and again reiterating what we said earlier he ticked a box. He was learning, that, you know, his first set out for his new team. He didn't set the world on fire, but he didn't, you know, stink it up completely. It's He's, he's there for a reason. He's got a big role to play this year. I think the score's going to be there. I think there's value and merit picking him. Yep. Um, however, there is more value and merit picking someone else um, with the likes of what we discussed, Cameron, potentially, Naismith, um, and even Cherry. So... Dollars versus output. Um, you know, Cherry was a, a, produced a score in the 90s. Obviously, pre-season game, you take that with a pinch of salt, but it gives you a surety that he's going to be and always give a benchmark of 65 fantasy points for rookies, base bottom price rooks, um, and Cherry's definitely going to be producing 65 scores plus. Darcy Cameron looks to be the same, even play a less, playing a lesser role under Brody Grundy. Um, and then Nay Smith is looking like he's starting Ruckman um, and starting in the midfield for Sydney. So whew, it's like we're not used to this, are we, Pete? We're not used to all these cheap rookie uh, rookie ruck options. And this year we got a th- three to pick from. For me, I think Sinclair and Nay Smith play in that same team. That is one thing Longmire has done in the past. I don't have any information to suggest one way or the other which way that will play out this year. 
but for me I'm only just going on what Longmire has done in the past so it will be a dual ruck setup there is value in Naismith I absolutely agree with that but as an R2 I strongly recommend against that just because of the riskiness of it well the scoring for me is value there but for that scoring rate uh, it's going to be volatile however if he is going solo ruck which again I don't think is going to happen under Longmire if he does go solo I'd probably increase his value for about 40 points which is massive that's if he's solo but I just, yeah. I just don't think uh, horse is going to go with a solo ruck he, he would, I, I agree with you there, but what if he's the number one ruck? What if he's predominantly the midfield ruckman? Like oh, he's not the pinch hitter. Well, look, I'd, straight off the bat, even in a dual ruck setup, being the number one or the number two, for me that doesn't actually matter. I think there's a, probably a 20 point upgrade there, no matter what, for me. And that's as a minimum. So there is definite value there. What you don't want to see in as an R2 is scoring volatility you don't want to be picking someone that's going to be scoring 60 points but again in a solo ruck situation he is an absolute smash but i just don't see that happening yeah okay interesting so you would you would not consider darcy cameron cherry or naismith for r2 no absolutely not yeah wow do you think it's a, a case of high risk high reward if for those that do look that way well i think in at the start of the podcast i did mention that as a fantasy coach that we need to pay attention to role changes we need to pay attention to a lot of things to take advantage of this is certainly an area that has opened up over the pre-season this year for me i'm not starting naismith uh, again if he's ruck one and he's going as solo he's an absolute smash then i would consider it i don't have any information with me at the stage or anyone at this stage to suggest that that is going to happen for me it's an, an upgrade in value for sure based on a dual ruck setup for cameron i need to wait and see for me it is still mason cox over darcy cameron yes darcy cameron was quite good on the weekend but let's not forget that that was a pre-season game. The way I watched that Buckley presser, Darcy Cameron did pose some questions of Mason Cox and Brody Grundy over the pre-season, and that suggested to me that Cameron was still not in that number two spot. As for John Patton, for me, it's only a small upgrade in value. I'm not starting him on the field anywhere as a forward or a ruck two. And the other player, Jeppe, was that? Oh, Tris and Zeri. Sherry. And Zeri. Yeah. And Zeri, I, I don't actually think he's going to play round one. Yeah, okay. How about Max Gorn? Jep, he's sitting at 9% ownership still. <laughs> Just another player to throw the hat in the ring. It's it's nuts, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I assume he's, he's probably going to line up this weekend. So, for. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Sometimes, isn't it? Like you, you set and forget with Grundy and Gorn, um, and then but you miss out on the value of other potential picks. So, yep. yeah, it's 
it's something we just need again, like you said, way up with all players available, all rookie players available, and getting a good team balance, job security is prime, scoring ability, um, and what's you know what's going to give us the highest return for our buck, basically, um, by way of players and, and rooks and, and primos. So it's very unlikely with the value presented elsewhere that um, I'm going to be starting with Gorn. At 9% ownership, it's actually a pretty unique option there to go with Gorn, Jeb. Yeah, and like I threw the, the question to you a while ago, what about Gorn instead of Grundy? You know, and you, you quickly put it down, and as most people and coaches would, and I get that, but um, there's almost 100 grand between them. Mm. Um, you get the POD. We don't know, you know, the impact that Cameron may have on Grundy's scores. I haven't ruled out not starting Grundy, put it that way. <laughs> Where do you stand on Rolly O'Brien, Jeff? I just, I don't see him as an R2 ruck, uh, top two ruckman for the year, so I'm just not going there. So if you're picking Riley O'Brien, you're likely going to upgrade him some point to Gorn, I would think. Um, and, yeah, look, it's um, it's just it's not a wise sort of step for me. I'd much rather pick Natanui, who I know is going to, well, obviously he's a high-risk pick from an injury point of view, but he's going to have the output, um, and it's worth every dollar you spend on him. I'm just going to run through a few extra rucks here just by price. Jared, yeah, okay. Jared Witts, we know he's had his injury issues. He's struggling to make round one. I think he'll get there. Rowan Marshall, he's in a dual ruck setup with Paddy Ryder. Todd Goldstein... Not too sure he's got it in him to hit ceiling games anymore. Toby Nankervis, we know, is injured. And he likely made round one, but I don't think the, he is a fantasy option for us. One player that did pop a little bit in the in week one of the Marsh series was Steph Martin. Can we go back to Steph, Chip? No. Definitely not. <laughs> Couldn't do it. I just, again, much of the same argument for Riley O'Brien. So... Is Steph Martin the top going to be a top two ruckman? Likely not. Not with you know the way Gorn plays and and Grundy plays. These guys just dominate the field. So yeah, no, nah, couldn't do it. Scott Lysett is potentially in a dual ruck setup, but I think he goes solo at round one. Ben McAvoy, we know, is going to play in defence and actually will probably play minutes this week for the Hawks. Matthew Cruiser, there any chance there, Jeb? Obviously, his ceiling is a lot lower. Um, it's a no for me on Cruiser, but any chance for you? No, no chance for me, buddy. None at all. Rory Lobs there. Tim English is one that we've mentioned before on the previous podcast that if you're projecting a good year for the Bulldogs, potentially this might be the year for Tim English to break out. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, just, that, got... just, just that volatility for me. Yeah, it, exactly. It's consistent scoring. He's a little bit more expensive as that um, mid-price ruck, um, but I still think there's that value there. It's um, and that's more of a healthy step up to Gorn later in the season. And once again, we throw up Sam Jacobs. 
for me again it's a no I can see why people are going to pick him does he get used in Giants blowouts when they're switching play and racking up those plus, plus sixes everywhere is he part of that scenario we know he has a huge ceiling but that was at the Adelaide Oval with the Crows and he was used mostly as a link player so that ceiling is definitely there uh, you got your, your final thoughts here on Sam Jacobs um, yeah, I just would. I'll wait and see what what he produces this week. I don't think it's absolutely dire straits, um, but yeah, let's see what he gives and and go and make the call from there. I've got honestly, I've got Nadanui ahead of him. I'd rather Nadanui, um, but I still think there's a lot of value in picking Jacobs because of his scoring potential. Yeah, just on Nick Nat. For me, what I've seen in, in the minutes that he played last Thursday that was quite impressive. But we just can't guarantee the high usage from Adam Simpson. No, we can't. But what we can guarantee is hit-outs and tackles. Yep. Um, and it's, it's really, it's the risk on fitness. Because yep. as soon as he gets, imagine if he gets like a little niggle of a soft tissue, which he doesn't have a history of. Yep. But if he does, they're going to just wrap him up in cotton wool. And that's going to sting. So if he gets a little niggle ground two or three, as with any play we have, it's just like you want to punch a wall. So, um, Are you some chance to start with him? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, haven't, yeah. I haven't totally ruled him out either yet. No, no. I, Nadanui has always been like... I've heard, Simpson said before, Geelong have Dangerfield. We have Nadanui. He is our A-lister. He changes the whole dynamics of our midfield. Absolutely. And I... Obviously, know my team very, very well. And when he's at the top of his game, we are very hard to beat because the ball just keeps getting pushed forward to centre. Like, and he's a bull. You know, he's a big physical presence. Um, and midfielders shit themselves, you know. It's, he, yeah, he is a big-time player. Um, doesn't take a whole lot of marks. Yes, I know. Um, but he can throw it on the boot. The centre clearances is is his go-to. Um, he obviously tackles very hard and he obviously gets a hit out. So he's, he's definitely good for an 80 plus, um, pending fitness and time on ground and all of that. And yeah. I think they're going to play him a little bit more on ground. I do too. Um, this season, not nothing too drastic. That's why I don't think Bailey Williams at R2 is, um, is viable yet because that R2 still needs to be that prominent Ruckman just in case. Um, one contingent, if he does, if Natanui does go down during the game or say they play him, I think they played him around 60, 65 minutes game last, towards the end of last season, they'll probably step it up to 75 max. Um, so they're still looking for a quarter um, from another Ruckman. That's got to be pretty prominent. So, uh, that's why I think Vardy's in the best <clears throat> sort of spot. He's the traditional ruckman. Yes, he can go forward and take a grab and all of that, but I just think Vardy is is that little bit more agile and, and gives a bit more so up forward when he's there. So yeah, look, Nick Nat really for the West Coast Eagles campaign in twenty twenty relies heavily on him. I um. I very much considering, very much considering him. And, yeah, it's really dependent on Naismith and what he what he can provide and 
and um, versus Ladder knowing what, what I think his output would be. I think we've seen enough of Sean Darcy at this stage not to make him a selection as R2 Jep. But one thing's for sure, the Ruck 2 position is wide open. I think it will be a very telling point in this season wash-up to see where the overall winner and the overall top 10, to see where they started. We know last year that Todd Goldstein was selected in seven of the top 10 teams at round one. So that meant people avoided the Max Gorn, Brody Grundy setup at round one last year. I think that will be the same again this year. For me, it will be interesting to see once we get to the end of the season, Jeb, what people started with. Yeah, yep. Um, and no makeup is is locked in, like just because the winner last year didn't start with the the top two rucks, the Gorn Grundy combo, it doesn't mean that this year it's not the the right option. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I'm just. I'm just loving the options we've got. Really, because rucks, we've struggled with rucks and ruck rookies in the past. I'll fall off my chair if when we review the overall winner in 2020, if they started with Sam Naismith at R2. Well, that might be me, mate. You might be talking to the winner already. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a very short and sweet interview, I can tell you right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so the, the ruck position is wide open at the number two spot most people are starting with Brody Grundy the games this week will provide a bit more of a solid understanding of what is going to happen at the start of the season as we close this podcast Jeppa and I will settle into a Tuesday night record time throughout the home and away season those will be released either late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning we'll have a regular pod next week and then the Tuesday night leading into round one. In between that time, we will have Jeppers Juniors, and we'll also have a podcast where I throw up value picks at each position and price point at round one. Your thoughts there, Jep? Yeah, it'll be good to get into the season proper. We'll get a bit of a routine and have a review and look ahead in the same pod and... Um, obviously talk through our own options and, and the options in the wider fantasy community. So looking forward to the year ahead, buddy. It's uh, it's going to be a big one. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of fun to be had. Chip, we're in March. We're close to the start of the season. I know. It's crazy. It's funny because, like, my, my birthday is typically when round one starts every year. So it's my birthday every year. And normally with the lads, we just catch up at a pub and watch Carlton v Richmond um, come round one and <clears throat> and all the rest of it and um, so yep yeah, I'm can't wait can't wait for my birthday can't wait for round one can't wait for lockout to be finally over and um, and we we set a team in and and we um, and we get it get it underway in the season proper mate it's um, mind you it just only feels like yesterday was New Year's Day and I just locked my my January 1 team away and saved it on my spreadsheet and we're already you know 3rd of March or whatever we are 2nd of March so yeah for sure before I close this podcast if you would like a chance of scoring a plus 6 podcast cap just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter once again we'll give a few away towards the end of pre-season which is getting close On that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.